Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the President of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Well, good morning, Bill. Welcome back for another week. Yes, back again for another week. I'm glad you keep coming back. Yeah, me too. I'm like the bad penny. I keep turning up. Oh, no, no, uh, it's all good. There's so much to talk about. What would I do without you? Yeah, so, indeed, likewise. But a nice way to start the week. I'll just leave it at that. Well, thank you. I feel the same way. You know, even though we're usually talking about epidemic or pandemic viruses. And of course, we have more viruses to talk about today. Monkeypox continues to be big. And, you know, we're all kind of waiting to see what's going to happen, if there's going to be an emergency use authorization for testing. So that might be a good topic for us to just update everyone on. Yeah, I think that's right. It's it's a story that seems to, to continue to evolve. The more it evolves, the more people have questions. So I think it's good to talk about. Yeah, so maybe we should just start by reminding everyone that monkeypox is an orthopox virus. There were some questions about that on Twitter. It's part of this group of viruses that is related to smallpox, but monkeypox right now, and knock on wood, hopefully it stays this way, it is the only circulating orthopox virus that's widely circulating at this point among humans. Because there was some question about the different tests. Right now we're using the CDC's test at Mayo Clinic. And as you know, we're one of the five labs that have been approved to use this and are receiving it from the CDC outside of the public health labs. It is an orthopox virus PCR. It's not specific to monkeypox, but because monkeypox is the only widely circulating orthopox virus at this point, it gives us the information we need to know. That's right. Yeah. I know that there was discussion early on with the CDC is should we have to send every positive in for confirmation with a monkeypox specific test. But to your point, is thankfully there aren't any, it's not like there are other pox viruses that are out there of that family of viruses that we have to worry about. So that's why they backed off even needing confirmation because the hope is to get people identified who are infected as quickly as possible. So they, we can take the interventions like isolation and treatment if necessary to help stop the spread of monkeypox. And that, that does bring up, I think, the fact that we see the cases continue to climb, it does raise questions again for people about how exactly is monkeypox spread. My understanding is that even though it can be present in respiratory secretions, that man is not the primary host, neither is monkey, actually. So right. it doesn't really spread by respiratory, as a respiratory virus, it really requires close contact. Those respiratory secretions can have the virus. So if it's on a fomite, like bedding, it can spread, is my understand, but it's not like airborne spread, correct? That is correct. Yes. It's interesting because there was some discussion on the CDC and a little bit of discussion on Twitter about, is this a sexually transmitted infection? How does it get transmitted? It's not really considered a classically sexually transmitted infection, but it is transmissible by sex in the sense that it's transmitted by close, sustained skin-on-skin contact. And could potentially be transmitted through respiratory secretions, but that would be more like 
deep kissing, for example. It wouldn't be airborne. That doesn't seem to be a real prominent way of transmission. And I think that really plays out. If you look at the people that have acquired infection, almost all of the cases to date have been through sexual contact. Yeah. If this was airborne, we'd be seeing a lot of people walking around with monkeypox, and that's not what we're seeing. Yeah, thankfully not. One of the questions that's come up, and we pivot to looking at vaccines and vaccination, and then there's the government as part of the public health emergency is considering alternate routes of giving the vaccine, like intradermal, so that it can get yeah. go further and things. One question that's come to me is, if I've been vaccinated for smallpox, is that protected from monkeypox? Do we know anything about that? Yeah, you know, people have asked me that as well. There may be some residual immunity, but it's not thought to last that long. It was quite a while ago that people would have been vaccinated by smallpox. And yes, they're closely related viruses. There will be some protection. And in fact, the smallpox vaccine is actually recommended as one of the two vaccines for prevention of monkeypox. But really, the recommendation is to get a fresh vaccination series, not to try to rely on a previous decades ago vaccination at this point. Yeah, I guess the good news is that essentially we were able to eradicate smallpox. So I know. people should hold have hope here. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are dismayed, including us in healthcare, mm -hmm. about the number of cases that we've seen now in non-endemic areas across the globe. But there's still good hope that with public health measures and vaccination, we can kind of get this back under control eventually. But important now for people to be aware. And of course, part of being aware is to get tested. And that just like vaccine and the whole vaccine dialogue, if you will, around COVID is kind of reemerged monkeypox. There's a lot of the same things around testing and, and what are some of the challenges with getting tests out to people so they can, they can get diagnosed. One of those I know is an EUA. And I, we should probably remind people an EUA has not yet been issued, but right. it is part of the public health emergency. And that would have significant changes, I think, for labs that are out there developing a, a monkeypox test, correct? Yes, and, and that's a really good reminder, too. So we have the public health emergency that's already been declared, but that's separate and distinct from the emergency use authorization. But as you said, they often go together. They are related. And I would not be surprised. In fact, there's been a lot of talk about this, that there will soon be an emergency use authorization announced as well. And that would mean that any test for clinical care purposes, any in vitro diagnostic test is going to have to go through that emergency use authorization process. Now we're using here at Mayo Clinic, the CDC's assay, which is FDA cleared. So it's already has the status through the FDA. So we would not have to go through this with the CDC's assay. But if we were to develop our own laboratory developed test, we would have to go apply for emergency use authorization. And any of the manufacturers, Roche, Abbott, Thermo Fisher, et cetera, if they have a test, they would all have to get emergency use authorization as well. So it does put a little bit of a regulatory burden on the labs. At the same time, ensures a high level of quality, which is one of the reasons why these types of authorizations are required during a, a time of emergency, because we saw during COVID that all of a sudden the market could be flooded with tests that aren't so good. So it yeah. does ensure that all the tests that are being performed in the United States, if it has that emergency use authorization, that it has a certain level of high quality. Yeah, that's right. And it, mm -hmm. it makes sure the results are reliable. And it's interesting you brought up the diagnostic manufacturers because for them, an EUA might actually be a less onerous than a typical FDA submission, whereas for the really? clinical labs, it's actually much more onerous than what we're used to because most of our LDTs, we do not submit to FDA. And that's, of course, all the 
the debate around the ballot act, which is still out there being considered by Congress, you know, about the potential FDA oversight of laboratory developed tests. One of the questions that's come to me, probably to you too, is why aren't then these diagnostic manufacturers switching and making a lot of automated monkeypox tests available like they did for COVID? Well, one of the things that's similar between the clinical labs and the manufacturers is just like with COVID where we had to pivot and a lot of labs were focused on developing COVID tests. Now a lot of labs are pivoting and focusing on developing monkeypox tests. Well, the manufacturers have to do the same thing. And for them, it has real significant financial consequences because they have to manufacture and change their manufacturing. So one of the things that CMS did with COVID early on to kind of drive the introduction of tests from both labs and manufacturers was set the reimbursement such that people knew what they were going to get paid for the test because that becomes really important in sort of the understanding how much resources could, can be applied by these by these labs and companies to do that. So that hasn't yet happened, you know, just like with the EUA, unlike with COVID where it was abundantly clear right away that we needed lots of tests as quickly as possible. So these things happen quickly. They're not happening as quickly with monkeypox because as you've said, even though it's a problem and a significant problem, it's not like we're seeing millions of cases and, and the kind of spread of a respiratory pathogens. That doesn't really, though, assuage people who are concerned that they might have monkeypox and want to get access to a test. Yes, the demand is there for testing. And we can debate on if really everyone who wants a test should get a test. But what it comes down to is there's a lot of people that are concerned. And there is that public health emergency that's been issued. So people are understandably concerned. And um, even though it's happening primarily through sexual contact, there have been cases that have not been sexual contact. And we know that women could potentially transmit it to their developing fetus, all sorts of different types of routes of transmission. So there is that concern. Yeah. We do laboratory developed tests here too at Mayo. And if we decide to go after a monkeypox test, well, that changes something else has to, to be taken off the list. That's right. Pushed, pushed lower on the list. And even to bring up the, the monkeypox test from the CDC was a really Herculean effort by the lab to do it so quickly. But I think it goes back to, also, the mixed messaging that people get, they get a little frustrated. And on the one hand, we're saying, if you think you have monkeypox, you really should go get tested. And we're telling providers they should think about it. And when they're seeing patients with unexplained rash, particularly through sexual contact, and yet getting the test is still a challenge. I think it really speaks to the fact that we need a healthcare system, both public and private, a playbook, if you will, that allow these things to happen. They've happened a lot more quickly with monkeypox than they would have prior to COVID, because at least CDC has reached out, as you talked about, uh, like we've already heard from FDA is providing guidance and, or at least out there, Tim Stenzel and I've been very public. Still a lot of things that have to happen. I think that's what we'll see coming out of this, as we talked about last time, is a coming together of different leaders, both in private and public leaders of healthcare and public health and testing to try and think about what does that playbook look like so that if something like this happens again, and it most likely will, that we can do things much more seamlessly than we have even now, just because it's, there's still a little bit of fire drill going on without that playbook in place. It's very true. Yeah, so I would say to everyone who's listening, stay tuned of what's going to happen, but it is 
reassuring that we're, we're having more communication than we did with COVID. We're learning each time. And even COVID was better than previous epidemics and emergencies. So we're learning, we're getting better, and it is going to have to be that private-public partnership because I don't think any one area can do it alone and provide all the tests that are needed. That's right. I think for right now, though, the message that you should be that uh, be vigilant, be careful. If you think you've been exposed or you think you might have monkeypox to, to, to seek out care and get to get tested. But the flip side, no, even if it's a bit frustrating that things that we really are improving on our ability to respond, there is an approach out there and we'll continue to work to make things better and better so that hopefully we won't be dealing with this. But if we are, we'll have a plan to do so. Absolutely. Well said, Bill. I think that's enough on monkeypox for the week, don't you think? I'm think sure so. there'll be more. And then we could talk maybe more about monkeypox next week. That's right. Yes. And then there'll be lots to talk about because right now the Congress is in recess. So a lot of other things we've talked about earlier in the spring about reimbursement and uh -huh. FDA regulation, which we've touched on, those things are going to really come back as well in terms of being part of the dialogue, which we will probably engage in. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Well, have a great week and I'll talk to you next time. Sounds great. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday. <laughs>